Are you ready for common sense retirement planning advice? Tired of the noise coming out of mainstream financial media that doesn't always have your best interest at heart? Looking for someone who will answer the tough questions that applies to your money? Well, welcome to the Plan to Retire podcast. Each week, certified financial planner Jeff Bowers will make you a better investor, consumer, and help you make smart money choices as you journey through retirement. Head on over to plantoretire.com, that's the number two in Plan to Retire, where you can learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call, or subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Now, here's your host, Jeff Bowers. Good day, and I hope you're staying healthy in these challenging times. Today on the Plan to Retire podcast, I'm going to discuss one basic concept you need to understand in order to be a successful investor. Then in our questions from the field segment today, I will review a common question regarding the so-called top-heavy stock market. But before we jump into today's podcast further, I want to be as transparent as possible. A large portion of the material that I will be discussing today is from dimensional funds. And at Plan to Retire, we do use dimensional funds in our client portfolios. But please understand that this is not a recommendation for you to purchase any specific investment. And you should always read the appropriate disclosures and prospectuses before you ever invest. I'll be putting two PDFs on this podcast's description page from Dimensional Funds with the important disclosures for you to read. And certainly Dimensional has provided no compensation for anything relating to this podcast. So now that we made the lawyers and regulators happy, let's jump right into our material today. One of the investor behaviors that I witness all the time is this illusion of trying to time the stock market. Look, it's completely understandable to believe that we should be able to just jump in and out of stock market investments to maximize our investment returns. Because there's so many services on TV that advertise or on the radio or online that promise this kind of item. Oftentimes, these services even quote a success percentage of X percent of our time or trades are correct. In fact, I just heard last week we were driving around on the radio on my Sirius XM channel. I was listening to a service that was advertising 87.3% of the time their trades were accurate. And I thought, wow, if that were true and it was consistently over time, wouldn't we all be using something that was 87% of the time correct? Also, sometimes we have that neighbor or family member who tells you how they got in or out of the stock market with perfect timing though they never tell you about what I suspect to be the many more times that they were just flat wrong and lost money. Unfortunately, it's a fact that we experience stock markets that drop significantly in a short period of time. We call these bear markets. We likely just went through our 17th bear market since 1926, and it was certainly a whopper. At one time this year, we had stocks down nearly 40%. I can recall a client conversation during this time a few months ago that was very typical and completely understandable. It went something like this. I'm paraphrasing and summarizing here. Stocks are down right now pretty bad, and I want to get out of stocks until things get better. In other words, I want to time the market to maximize my return. Well, I had a good discussion with this client, and I went over them the study I'm going to go over with you here real quick. Well, there's a study that analyzed the S&P 500. And remember, the S&P 500 is Standard & Poor's, the rating company, analyzes the top 500 companies in the United States by size. So the S&P 500 is referring to the largest 500 companies that are publicly traded. The study covered the period from beginning of 1970 
until March of 2020. It calculated a hypothetical investment of $1,000 that was tracked during this time period. Now, that $1,000 during that period grew to $121,353 by March 2020. So let me repeat that. So $1,000 invested hypothetically in the S&P 500 in 1970 all the way to March of 2020 would have yielded that investor a total return account size of $121,353. Now, this is where it really gets interesting because if you weren't that buy and hold investor, let's say you were the type of investor that felt, oh, you know, there's many things you think about went on from 1970 to 2020. A lot of events we could go on Vietnam War, the inflation crisis, the Iran Contra crisis, 9 11, the dot com bust, go on and on and on, the financial crisis. So, if anywhere during that time you were the investor that said, I'm going to jump out of the stock market here because I'm just a little bit worried, and you just happened to miss the five best trading days. So, you only missed five best trading days out of that entire 40-year run, your $1,000 would have grown to $77,056. That's $44,297,000 less than if you had just stayed invested during that entire period. And if you pulled your money out and you missed the best 25 days, you would have had $26,000 nine hundred and eighty nine dollars so you would have lost ninety four thousand three hundred and sixty four dollars than the total one hundred twenty one thousand three hundred and fifty three dollars that your one thousand dollars would have grown to by just leaving things alone and look i know that's a lot of numbers i just reviewed but the conclusion is quite a difference and unfortunately i suspect that's exactly what happens to a lot of investors when they try to jump in and out of the stock market investments you know, the lesson to learn is doesn't take time to miss many of the best trading days to have a major impact on your investment returns. Now it's time for our questions from the field segment. It seems to be the latest aha or gotcha moment in the financial press over the last year or so that the stock market must be in trouble because only a few stocks are actually going up and the rest of the market is just not that great. The media pressing the narrative that this is something new in the stock market. Well, not so fast. It's not necessarily something new. In fact, we had a top-heavy stock market with the 10 largest stocks accounting for over 20% of the market's value and a marquee technology firm sitting at number one. Sounds like a description of the current U.S. stock market dominated by Apple and the other FANG stocks but it's actually a reference to 1967 when IBM represented a larger portion of the market than Apple did at the end of 2019. So it's not particularly unusual for the market to be concentrated in a handful of stocks. The combined market capitalization weight of the 10 largest stocks just over 20% of the end of last year has been higher in the past. A breakdown of the largest U.S. stocks by decade shows some companies have stayed on top for a long time. AT&T was among the largest two for six straight decades beginning in 1930. General Motors and General Electric ranked in the top 10 at the start of multiple decades. IBM and Exxon were also mainstays in the second half of the 20th century. Hence, 
concentration of the stock market in a few large companies, such as the FANG stocks in recent years, is not a new normal. It's actually an old normal. Moreover, the definition of, quote, high tech is constantly evolving. Firms dominating the market have often been on the cutting edge of technology. For instance, AT&T offered the first mobile telephone service in 1946. General Motors pioneered such innovations as the electric car starter, airbags, and the automatic transmission. General Electric built upon the original Edison light bulb innovation, contributing to further breakthroughs in light technology, such as the fluorescent bulb, the halogen bulb, and the LED. So technological innovation dominating the stock market is not a new normal. It's an old normal, too. Another trend contributing to a new normal is the extraordinary performance of FANG stocks over the past decade, leading some to wonder if we should expect these stocks to continue such strong performance going forward. In other words, they've had such a great run. Are they going to keep performing well? Investors should remember that any expectations about the future operational performance of a firm are already reflected in its current price. While positive developments for the company that exceeded current expectations may lead to further appreciation in that company's stock price, those unexpected changes are not predictable. To this point, charting the performance of stocks following the year they joined the list of the 10 largest firms shows decidedly less stratospheric results. On average, these stocks outperform the market by an annualized 0.7% in the subsequent 3, 5, and 10-year period. These stocks underperform the market as well. So the only constant is change. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think we've heard that before a lot. This seems an apt description of the dominant stocks atop the stock market. While the types of investments most prominent in the market vary through time, the fact that a small subset of companies' stocks account for an outsized portion of the stock market is not new. Let me repeat that. The fact that a small subset of companies' stocks account for an outsized portion of the stock market, that's not new. And it remains impossible to systematically predict which large companies will outperform the stock market and which will underperform it. This underscores the importance of having a broadly diversified equity portfolio that provides exposure to a lot of companies and a lot of sectors. In other words, you don't put all your eggs in one basket and you'll make sure you're a globally diversified portfolio. So there you have it. Another media narrative debunked. If you have a similar question, feel free to email a question to me at podcast at plan to retire.com. That's using the number two in plan to retire.com. And as I mentioned earlier, please refer to the two PDFs we have in the description page of this podcast for complete disclosures. And remember, if you fail to plan, someone else is doing the planning for you. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Plan to Retire podcast. Head on over to plantoretire.com. That's the number two. So plan the number two, retire.com. To learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call or to subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you next time on the Plan to Retire podcast.